Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to the listeners of the Good Anime Palette Podcast. Today is episode 46. Uh, it is still Will, and Jason over here is looking up on some last-minute research for today's topic, uh, just because we're going over quite a few things. Uh, do you feel like you're ready to go into uh, today's discussion, Jason? I was born ready. Let's do this. All right. So we're going to be uh, going straight into the topic today because um, we actually want to spend more time going over the specifics of today's discussion rather than going into some news or going into some uh, reading and watching we've done before. Um, there, well, there's two reasons for that. One, uh, we're recording this out of sync in terms of getting this done ahead of time since I'll be I'll actually be flying out. Um, well, I'm actually in California at the time of release for this episode. So beach episode, Will, uh, Will is going to release his GAP it solo depends. beach it depends episode? On, it depends on where I'll be. I'll either be in downtown LA or I will be at um, I'll be at Venice Beach. So, the, so it is possible that I'll actually have my own beach episode by the time this releases. Okay, serious question, Will. How many times will you eat In-N-Out Burger? Oh, okay. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Hot take. I don't think In-N-Out's that great. I haven't had it before. Yeah, but that's because you're from the East Coast, right? So and the, like I went to the Midwest, but yeah. I, so you wouldn't you wouldn't have had much of an opportunity to have, have In-N-Out. I had Sonic. I like Sonic. I've never had Sonic. It's pretty dope. I if I had to pick between Shake Shack and In-N-Out, though, I think I hold them on the same pedestal the only reason why is, is i don't want to anger any listeners of this of, of this podcast I, I mean i think you putting it on the same pedestal might offend some it probably people. will it probably will no matter what i say i'm gonna piss someone off anyway um but no um i think that the fries from in and out are trash and a lot of people will agree and i think animal style is kind of eh which so, people, so, a lot of people are going to be really angry about so i hear about this animal style thing what is it it's thousand island dressing with grilled onions and cheese Minus the cheese, that actually sounds okay. Yeah, I think that it, it, it tastes good. I just, I don't know. I'm not part of the church of In-N-Out, so therefore, like, I'm not going to spread the gospel. So you're out? I, I, I'm just out, not in. Yeah. See, but like, okay, so, like, it's just a little bit of, like, yeah, a, yeah. a side. When, my, when one of my friends first told me about In-N-Out, this was back when I was still, like, in high school in Hong Kong, so no clue what in and out was and when like she talked about in and out i thought for a minute it's like what the hell is this in and out it's like oh it's one of the greatest burgers and i was like is it called in and out because you eat it it goes in <laughs> and then it comes back out and she took real offense to because she is she is like a cali girl like, oh, she i is totally straight... did not expect that oh shit I, I don't know what my my 17 year old mind was thinking at the time but you know then i actually go to california for university it's like ah this is what in and out is and it's pretty good but i never grew up with it so it's hard for me to really preach the greatness that is in and out um but but shake shack has made its way over to here in hong kong and i eat that a bit more regularly so. a lot more regularly maybe not so much anymore due to the fact that they're kind of now not in the same if if, if, if i was to be like real honest of what i'm going to be eating a lot of when i'm in la it'd be tacos tacos burritos oh, dude sopes isn't there like it, um a type of taco like that starts with b birria Video tacos I, where it's like the braised and beef the dip. and it's it's soaked. It, it's like a it's like a French dip, but for tacos. I want it so bad. I've got my, one of my friends like bringing me to like a pretty good uh, birria spot um, when I get to LA. I so fucking want it so bad. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, back um, onto the anime now. Or right. The we, reason why, uh, because we're time traveling, so therefore we actually don't have any reading. I mean, we could technically have a reading watching, but we ain't gonna do that. We ain't gonna get no news because we Will and I are time travelers, but. 
We don't want to, you know, cause a time paradox and, you know, multiple timelines, continuums, whatnot. So you've been watching the the latest episode of Tatami Time Machine Blues. Yeah, kind of. I watched the second episode. I haven't watched the third episode yet, though. It's actually really weird that, like, after the first episode, everything else is, like, only 18 minutes, which includes, like, the opening and the ending. Yeah, I know. It's, that- it's, it's quite short. I don't I- know if it's, it's if it's you know, signed on purpose like that, but I, I don't know. I mean, I'm enjoying it so far. Right. Uh, I messaged you about the 18-minute thing just to make sure I wasn't going crazy, and you were like, yeah, 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 it's 18 minutes. You, yeah. You're, you're not freaking out. Okay. Well, by the time this releases, I think all the episodes will be out on Disney+. Plus. And um, we will yeah. we will let you guys know how what we think about it. And sometime in the distant future. So um, we're not going to get into that today, though, uh, or at least for this episode. We're going to go into today's discussion topic, which is a primer on some upcoming anime adaptations Notably, Mashal, Kaiju Number Eight or Monster Number Eight, Solo Leveling, and Oshinoko. So, one of the things that Will and I were kind of like bouncing ideas and brainstorming was: on one hand, we wanted to read more manga, and on the other hand, we wanted to sort of integrate manga. But because we are the good anime palette podcast, so we tried to be like, what is a good way to have a discussion with manga and anime at the same time. And we remembered that, hey, there are several shows that have anime adaptations. Some of them are pretty hype. Why don't we read the source or and comment on it so then we can prime you, we can get you ready for when the anime adaptation shows up for real. Yeah, so over the last couple of months, we've been seeing a lot of the statistics and uh, just there's a lot of data that whilst streaming platforms have kind of been suffering uh there actually has been a growth in terms of uh manga consumption specifically digital manga consumption and it's because of the opening of several different uh manga reading apps you know from square enix uh from manga up is yeah. square enix yeah which one's the one uh was it um as not as azuki azuki i was gonna say azumanga Dayo. but 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 okay, Dayo is dope but azuki is technically not a not a so it's affiliated with kodansha but it's not run by Kodansha. Yeah. So they have a lot of Kodansha properties. And then obviously Jump Plus Manga Plus is your Viz Media Shonen Jump. And also you also have all the different uh manhua platforms, you know, for your webtoons. So you have Tappy Tune, you've there's got like Lishen, Lishen? There's, there's a there's a lot. There's Lishen? a lot of them. Yeah. Uh and then of course the webtoon platform itself from Kakao, that one is the the big one. Um Tapas, I think there's another one. Tapas? Tapas? You mean Tappy Tune? T A P A S? There's probably another one. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. There's also Comic Key. Yeah, so that, there's a lot of places where you can start reading your manga, your manhua, and uh, just generally, like, any sort of, like, web comics. It's it's growing, but it's still not at the pace of people consuming anime, despite the fact that people are now, like, so unsubscribing from major streaming platforms. There's still, like, a very considerable amount of people who are consuming anime on a daily basis. So that's why we sort of gear our content more towards the anime front, but we also don't want to neglect the manga front. And it's kind of like, it's not so much out of place where if we just did like a manga-specific episode, in the end, it's still like we want to be a bit more of an umbrella for the whole subculture. So we don't want to just only focus on anime and not share any like shine any light on manga on visual novels on light novels even hey, though we don't re- even, if we, even if we don't easy. read and play it it's still like we still watch adaptations that you know draw inspiration from those kinds of 
like sources. So we can't Absolutely. just we can't just ignore them, right? Right, right, right. Um, another thing that I guess is very common for a lot of people is animes tend to sometimes, even though the story is continued, they don't renew it for a new season. Not everything is like a shonen series where they literally like My Hero Academia on its sixth season, for example. It's really hard sometimes due to logistical issues and the fact of the advertising is just not worth it. It's a changing landscape. People just want to be able to have instant gratification. And unfortunately, studios can't just sit back and continuously produce something. I mean, it's not every day that Piero is going to come out and say, we're going to adapt all four curves of the last arc for Bleach, Thousand Year Blood War. And then everyone else is going to be like, yeah, no, we're just going to keep doing our own thing. We're going to adapt 12 episodes to this, 12 episodes to that, take a break, and then do like you know, three, four projects for the following year and so on and so on. It's, it's, just, it's just not like that anymore. Right. So because of the, I would say, a general anime fan's expectations of there's no guarantee that anything is a complete adaptation unless they announce it off the bat. So something like the Fruits Basket remake and Mashal as well, which we'll get into. A lot of the times you have to rely on looking at the source after the anime has been finished or wrapped up the first season or whatever cur it was on. So and the, the the trouble with that is like there's always so many like tidbits of like oh this is this light novel is getting adapted, this manga is getting adapted, this this visual novel, this game is getting adapted. So literally every week there is like a slew of four, five, six different adaptations how the hell do you keep up with it yeah and truth be told jason and i can't keep up with it because we're not going to be like reviewing seven different isekai adaptations within one episode because that's just not interesting for us because oh it's oh there's uh the the refrigerator reincarnation the sword reincarnation even though that one's technically not an isekai um but there's a lot of like these no it of, is an isekai is it an isekai because the sword gets the guy gets reincarnated as a sword in another world. In another world. Okay, so, so it's not just pure reincarnation. Then. And the fridge one, I think you're talking about the vending machine one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's like so many different adaptations that it's going to be tough for any of us to keep track of unless you are like really, really into that specific kind of genre. What what we wanted to do was do a bit more of the, the more hotly anticipated ones, especially the ones that... Okay, between the four series we're going over, you've read a lot of of two specifically and i've read a lot of two specifically and it wasn't like something that we just started doing um when we thought that we're going to be talking about this discussion topic no like it just started with one actually some of these series we've actually been reading from like a long 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 time ago Mm -hmm. and some of them like kind of popped up like in the zeitgeist like maybe in the last year or two and we only started reading them recently but we've been consuming them at a really rapid pace and there's a reason why these are very hotly anticipated. We want to give us give you our two cents of why these are worth reading, or if you don't want to read, why you should at least you know, quietly but also like excitedly wait for the release of the anime adaptations, which actually for all four of them, I think they're coming out in 2023. I th- I think some of them have not released an official month or, but, or but season. It will, but it will be sometime in 2023. Uh, that's my assumption, yes. Um, I mean, how many times can you hear Will and I talk about Chainsaw Man? Because right now, when you're listening to this, Chainsaw Man would have already premiered. It'd so. be, I think it would be like episode two or episode three by the time this comes up. Maybe even like, maybe even half a curse already out by this time. So, yeah, we just wanted to highlight certain shows that have already had an anime adaptation announced. And in this case, they all have either manga or webtoons, manhwa in this case as well, 
and um, give you our thoughts, give you sort of a brief synopsis such that if you if you want to check them out, like as Will said, you can. Or just be like, yo, these two people that I listen to all the time, they uh, they said this thing is dope. Okay, I should watch out, look out for it when it shows and premieres. Yeah, and it's not always down to just like our own personal biases, even though sometimes it is. And it's also not just us trying to hype something that everybody already knows is going to be hype. We actually want to be able to give like our experiences of reading this manga, give us, give you guys like a little bit of like a sort of understanding of how we feel the adaptations are going to go exactly. from a voice acting perspective, from a studio perspective, maybe even touch upon some of the music they might use as well. So it's not just a manga review. We wanted to literally have this kind of regular episodic kind of format where we would periodically uh, introduce these properties and kind of analyze it even with maybe a trailer or two or the announcement trailer, but before the anime premieres such that you can go in prior to the premiere and kind of know a couple of things, important things to consider. So three of the series we're going to be going over are freely accessible on the Jump Plus Manga Plus platform. And the last one is a webtoon that is, well, kind of free uh, to consume on Tappy Toon. Uh, we'll go more into you know why it's kind of free. Um, and then, of course, there also is an asterisk on the free accessibility for the Jump Plus Manga Plus because if you're accessing it from Manga Plus, yes, it is free. If you read it one Once, time, yep. and then afterwards you're gonna have to—I don't know if there's subscribe, a yeah, yeah. you have to subscribe. It's not really a—it's—it's it's not a deal breaker, really. I mean, unless you really, really like it, then you have two options: you either subscribe to it or you buy the hard copy. Which, to be fair, or the re- digital. If you like something enough, then it's like, why not? Right. You know, it's—it's it's money. Yes. So if you don't want to spend that kind of money, but you do want to enjoy it, hey, one time only. Read that shit, enjoy it, and then let it live in your memory for the rest of your life. So the order that we're going to go is kind of even going to go in the order. Let's just, let's just say it. Let's just, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go. So we're going to start off with Kaiju number eight, alternatively known as Monster number eight, because Kaiju is monster. It's written and illustrated by Naoya Matsumoto and published in English by Viz Media. Jump Plus, Mongol Plus, as mentioned. Now, this is a series that has been running for uh, several years. Actually, like in the course of its existence, it's actually broken quite a lot of records. It was one of the first in terms of the Jump Plus platform to be able to get the most series. Like, so, I think the fastest to 1 million copies. Four. And then afterwards, uh, there oh, was... No, yeah, there was, yeah, yeah. yeah, over 1 million copies and 200, 200 copies sold digitally, making the fastest series on the Shonen Jump platform to reach 1 million copies in circulation. So it wasn't Spike's family. No, it was Kaiju number 8. Now, we're not trying to take away the shine from Spike's. We're just saying... We love it. Kaiju, Kaiju has done some pretty hefty numbers as well. So 2021 in, July, uh, in June, 2.5. And then in the middle of that month, then reached 3 million. Uh, as of now, or at least as of the latest data collated which was back in august 2022 over 8 million copies sold and i think believe i believe by oh, no, last in year circulation well, yeah, not sold. by last year um the series had reached over 100 million views so, that's insane yeah and uh we, we can go over the amount of awards at one you don't have to because it's uh it's already quite clear that this is a extremely extremely popular manga that when the adaptation came out a lot of us were saying, no shit, it was bound to be. And on the other side, it was, holy crap, it's finally getting adapted. And I was in the latter. 
even though I knew it was going to get adapted at some point, I was just really, really happy to see that the news finally came out that Kaiju Number Eight was going to get an ad- anime adaptation. Yeah, you were harping on that hype train for a long, long time, trying to convince me to read it. Uh, I think I bit the bullet like a while ago, and then I talked about it on a podcast. But when I read, it, I was just like, "Why the fuck did I not do this sooner?" Like it was—it's legitimately good. So, uh, to be clear, the anime. Uh, studio that is tied to this project is Toho Animation. Big studio. And uh, basically, uh, this is a show... Do you want to go into the plot synopsis a bit? Maybe just go a little bit more on the background information, right? Sure. In terms of its... uh, It hasn't hasn't had a a release date for it yet. We were... It's it's predicted to come out sometime in 2023. Uh, With the regards of using Toho Animation as the studio, I think it's in pretty safe hands. I think I'm not. I'm not. Like, a lot of times, whenever you see like, if, if it's not Yupo Table, if it's not like um, Brains Base, if it's not uh, Gino or Dogakobo, or it's like it, it, it's, but it's like a large conglomerate studio. Toho Toho has a pretty good track record in being able to get shit done. Now, whether that means they're going to be like S tier, like quality kind of animation, I don't know, and I don't think it will be. But I don't think that that would take away the shine from Kaiju Number Eight because I mean the story itself is great. So let's get into what Kaiju Number Eight is about. We've talked about it before, but this is an opportunity to actually extrapolate everything and give you the reasons as to why we think this could be the next big thing within anime and manga. I think before we get into the plot synopsis, though, Will, what, what, what now? We should, uh, for those who actually do not know. Kaiju has a special significance. It's not just monster. Kaiju by itself has connotations sort of like, imagine Godzilla, basically. Large-ass monsters like Ultraman. That is, even though it uses the word monster, they really mean like gigantic, large-scale we could have monsters. Gotten, we could have gotten into that in the plot synopsis. I don't know why you need to do it in the side for that. You putting me on blast? I'm just trying to I'm not join in. on blast. I'm just I'm saying... Trying to like, join in on the conversation, man. You could join in the conversation by... Going into the plot synopsis. So, Will, what is the plot synopsis? So we of have number eight. Yeah, so we have a very, very standard kind of story where it's essentially big ass monsters, as Jason alluded to, and they're ravaging uh, across all of Japan, destroying shit. And it is, I don't know, like to say that to, to say it like that is is quite simple because a lot of these kinds of like monster stories uh, that you see in uh, Japanese media. It's you've seen it from Ultraman. You've seen it from, I guess, to some extent with the Power Ranger series. Um, I don't even know what the Power Rangers name in Japanese is, but um, you essentially have a character named a Kafka, Kafka Habino, and he what is a, what an awesome name, yeah, by the way. It's Kafka's like great name, name of philosopher, sure. Because there's, I, I'm not sure that there is going to be a lot of like philosophical debate. I mean, it's no. it's, it's clearly there. If you want to talk Kinda? about it, but it's not yeah, really yeah, yeah. so. It is, you know, monsters, or as Jason said, large-ass monsters, kaijus, that are destroying the Earth, and they're primar- primarily destroying Japan. And then you have this army called the Japan uh, Japanese Defense Force who are tasked with killing them. And this is where, like, the interesting part of, like, why I like kaiju number eight, and it's the same way that I've actually had this discussion with a friend talking about, like, the Marvel movies, where you have all the superheroes going around and fighting monsters, fighting villains... And they're just leaving destruction everywhere they go in the city. 
what about if they did like a civilian perspective where it's like a cleanup crew or like they go around and like try and fix up all the shit that the um that the that the superheroes did and that's what Kafka Hybino is. He's actually not necessarily part of like the front lines of the defense force. He is the cleanup crew. He's there to make sure that all the rubble is, is taken care of, all the monster guts are cleaned off of buildings. But there's a difference between him and all the other cleanup crews because whilst he is very, very low in being able to release his power levels, he's actually one of the lowest in the whole Japanese defense force, he harbors a secret within him. And it turns out that he's not just any regular human being. He actually has the powers to be able to transform himself into a kaiju as well. Specifically, kaiju number eight. And there you go. Frank, from the beginning, you're introduced to not only the main character of the story, but also the whole title of the story and what the story is going to be all about. So I, I, I like kaiju number eight because it's simple. It's very vanilla, as I said, the Jason as well. It's it's nothing that like you would expect to be different from other shonen series. It's pretty much the hallmarks of what makes a shonen series popular. And I'm not going to sugarcoat and say like this is any different. No, this is us blase and us straightforward. A shonen action adaptation would be, but there's just something that's charming about it. It's just straight good old fun. I don't know. Like, what what did you think about it when you like first started getting into it? So. I think we forgot to mention is we will try our best to obviously avoid spoilers of any sort unless if it is like in the plot synopsis or in trailers. I think that's fair game because, well, if the whole point is to prepare you to watch it. Well, man, then you are really a stickler for the rules. Just go into yeah, why you like it. it. And just in case, man. Come on. So what do you like about Kaiju number eight? I am willing to bet a lot of money that Matsumoto-sensei has played a video game called Earth Defense Force because Earth Defense Force is essentially Kaiju number 8. Would you not would you agree? Yeah. No, it's I mean again, it's it's pretty much what you expect when you see a shonen series about monsters, about kaijus in Japan. And it definitely draws inspiration from a lot of stuff that existed throughout Japanese media. Yeah, I think the main character of Kafka is a very stereotypical uh, shonen MC that is rather old and has a childhood friend who is basically a very outstanding defense force captain and he aspires to join her and he just is kind of has this he's basically Deku from My Hero Academia and then somehow except that rather than being a young child who can't do shit he's an old man that can't do shit and then mysteriously some incident happened that caused him to be able to transform into a kaiju and then later on referred to as kaiju number eight so when comparing it to other shonen series right like in terms of like your bleach your demon slayers your one pieces and all that the power leveling and the whole reveal of main characters and the slew of villains that they fight against it's it's pretty much the same thing right you have a very underpowered main character and you have a captain who he aspires to reach up to being like the the, the hallmark of what it means to be the number one or like the top tier within the Japanese Defense Force. You see that with Deku and All Might. You see that with Bleach and every other Shinigami that there is within the within the Soul Society. You see that with One Piece and all of the pirates that he's trying to aspire to, to overcome in One Piece. So it's um 
uh, so you see that with Luffy in One Piece. So we we are very fully aware that this is not that different from anything else that we've seen before. But that doesn't mean it's going to be bad, right? right? If, if the if, if, like, sometimes like if, if things aren't broke, just don't try and fix it. Harp into something that works, and Kaiju Number Eight, in, in, in my opinion, works. I, I think, uh, yeah, as Will mentioned earlier, it it doesn't reinvent the wheel, but it's a damn good looking wheel. Uh, you get all of the character tropes that are in all of the shonens. It's just way too many to mention. Uh, but I will say that the distinguishing factor of Kaiju Number Eight is indeed the monsters and the sheer scale of it. It is just quite awesome to see just massive creatures and it's basically like that attack on titan syndrome of like a small little dude going against a mammoth kind of monster and somehow can either defeat it or be on the same playing field despite being out what would you say like out out heighted i don't know what would you say outdone outdone outpowered outpowered why not really though yeah see so the story itself is is straight vanilla, but it's a damn good story, and we both really, really enjoy it. But that's the manga. How do we feel that the anime adaptation will turn out? Because we aren't aware of whether this will be a full adaptation. In fact, like the manga itself is still ongoing with, I think, like 50 or 60 chapters. It's a relatively short uh, existence at the moment. Like I think if we look at the, um, the manga plus... 71. Platform, yeah. And I'm only on, like, 55, so I'm not that far from getting up to current. But a lot of stuff has already happened from what I've read, and I don't really know how much more the story is left. Right. I mean, the main thing, of course, is, like, you could just continue to introduce new monsters, you can do new character developments and all that. But at that point, that's when you're starting to sort of, like, overstay your welcome. And I hope that Kaiju doesn't, reach that level as much as i enjoy reading kaiju number eight there comes a point where sometimes good things have to come to an end and i'm hoping that you know by the time i read to current i can at least see where the finish line is and it's not just going to be artificially pushed further and further ahead by just introducing unnecessary plot points unnecessary characters you know because you've seen stories like that before where like realistically this is where it should have ended, and I would have been very, very happy, despite the fact that I might have wanted more. Sometimes more of something is not necessarily a good thing, and I hope that Kaiju doesn't get to that point. Um, so in terms of getting it adapted, I think it just will probably be a singular cur. Okay, so no double cur? I don't think so. If it is going to be a double cur, it will be a split cur. Right, okay. So if if you were... Imagine as a Toho animation executive or animation head of studio, how many seasons do you envision to be? I mean, obviously, like, depending on how long, how many chapters it is, that actually technically determines because there's a a finite end. But do you think that given the the record, which it has, which it, it breaks records day after, like, time after time, it has the potential, right? It has the potential to be done in completion and and the, and the reason why i would say that as well is because the chapters whilst they're only 20 pages long right there's not a lot of dead air in between the panels a lot of stuff is very fast paced and as expected from like a shonen series but at the same time like with every adaptation 
a series can fall into the why don't we just streamline things and cut certain story points out to be able to get episodes done and instead of adapting chapter by chapter by chapter we just get like maybe like five volumes of adaptations done in one season we've seen that a lot with you know any like shonen jump adaptation this i don't think would be too affected by it yeah i think the pace as you said right it's very kinetic like movement driven such that the the amount of like monologue dialogue is quite minimal one episode could could theoretically like adapt like 10 maybe even 15 chapters and it's because i think like a lot of it is very very smooth fighting sequences that can be done like it, it could be like two chapters worth of fights can be condensed into two minutes of anime time so one thing that i thought was pretty interesting with kaiju number eight on the manga format is they make it very clear at some point that this is episode one this is episode two or incident one incident two even though they also label chapters so i guess that also ties into the manga plus jump plus platform which is where kaiju number eight originated from there is no volume i mean they did release digital and physical but there was no way to sort of parse out with like in sections do you think that's how like manga artists are doing their work now in terms of going in with the idea that this will probably get adapted therefore i need to be able to create chapters that are very distinctly this is episode one this is episode two or do you think it's just just the way that kaiju number is done therefore it's it just it, it's, it's just natural that they will have like eight chapters for one episode or two episodes or whatever it may be. Yeah, I, I think it's the latter, as in, um, I don't know, it, I don't think it will be a you trend. Think, you, you don't think Matsumoto like, went with that in mind? Like, no. He, he just basically went with the flow. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, personally, I also think that he is someone who's very aware of the health of being a mangaka because this person has taken breaks multiple times. Um, and also at one point was on a two-week release schedule instead of a one-week. So he was very aware of like trying to be able to do good work and not overwork because some of the art are fantastic. The double panels are the double really panels. nice. They're like, and then the city ruins and the landscape. In fact, if anything, I think the landscape and the destruction of the landscape is gorgeous. The characters are still decently designed and looks great, but... The sheer scale and destruction is just so good. In terms of if you were to do a scale of no blame to full blame, how would you describe like the oh, enormity fuck. of its of its double panels? Ooh, I would say mid blame, mid blame, mid blame. It does well. It's not. It's of course like blame is like it's like the piece de resistance in terms of like immensely gorgeous double panels. If if Blame, the science fiction uh, manga, is Kamisama, then um, Kaiju number eight would be like akin to a president of a country. Or maybe like just a sage within like this mythical world. Sure. Right? So not quite a there, demigod. But a demigod. A demigod, right? There you go. So it, it's, it's great. And how it would translate onto the screen with the works of Toho Animation. I think it will. I think it will look okay. I think it will look. I, I, and, and I say that because it's it, it's hard to expect companies, especially when like Toho not just works on like animation, but they also just do 
Japanese media in general. I don't know how big the studio is or like how many people they have working on the animation front, but it's going to be hard to expect like S tier quality animation all the way through. So I would still think that it's the artwork is going to be fantastic. The animation sequences are going to be great because that's what makes like sh- like shonen's like amazing to begin with. If your if your action sequences aren't good, then that's going to be really hard for you to be able to appeal to the fans and get people on board, especially since you know this is still like a shonen jump property. A lot of young kids and a lot of young adults are going to be into this shit, and you're going to need to have something to be able to grab people's attention. So, because, I, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. What are you saying? Sorry, I was about to say. First of all, there is like zero nudity sexual reference it's just pure octane adrenaline action and just really just crazy sheer scale Fuck, actually you are yeah. right there is no opai in this whatsoever whatsoever no fan service no just fan straight service. action even demon slayer has a lot of opai yeah for sure and like oh look at nezuko but here it's just like yo she is fucking powerful she is dope not because she's good looking or she has big boobs or a butt no no it's just like dude her power level is over nine thousand, like that kind of thing right like but to answer my take on toe animation i'm actually of the opposite camp i think they're gonna throw a shit ton of money at it and it's gonna look fantastic because they know what they have on their hands yes i also think being toho animation this big conglomerate and having all this experience and resources they will know where that they can cut corners and minimize the amount of lower quality and know where to put all the sakuga moments so such that it no one will even think about oh hey there were some some like scenes that was like not great because toho is a distributor, top three distributor in Japan. So 90 years of history. They should know what to do with a lot of things. So I have full faith and I feel that, hey, exec, you know, Mr. Exec and Toho will be like, wow. Mr. Toho. Mr. Toho. Toho-san, if you do exist, uh, will be like, yo, this is, this. these numbers look great. Therefore, we should throw this amount of money at it. And see how it goes. No, I, I see where you're coming from. And it's also because of the fact that, like, it's not just down to, like you said, not just down to the stuff they animate. It's also the stuff they produce and distribute as well. So whether or not they've had full control over it or they had some part of the control on it, the properties they work on, especially on the animation front, are heavy. Like, just, like, they, they, they worked they on... They did Land Illustrious. They did JJK Zero. They did My Hero Academia. The World uh, the World Heroes Mission movie. They did Bell. Uh, Godzilla versus Kong, the Evangelion movies, and again, it's not to say that they actually like did everything. They had some part in it, but they, but in the end, you're attaching your name to some of the biggest properties. Or not Mish- even Mishoko Tensei, Stand Spy by X Me, Family, Stand by Me, Doraemon, Pokemon the movie, Monster Hunter, Promise Neverland, Doro Hedero, like Crayon Shinchan. Basically, the, the, they they they're literal like top dogs, top three actually, to be precise. So I have no like hesitance to say they will know where to allocate resources because in my opinion budget amount is one thing but allocating resources knowing where to sort of quote unquote cut your corners and save cost to spend all the money on the money shots toho would have way more experience knowing where to go that does mean though it's a very heavy ball to drop if they really fuck it up right 
regardless of how well it does, it will be in everyone's faces when it premieres. They will make it known. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. But I mean, like, I, I, of, of the four we're talking about here, though, right? This is also the first series we're talking about. So, do you do you feel that like of the four, this is the one that you're most excited about, or this is the one where it's like, I know it's going to be good, and I know I'm going to enjoy it, but the next three we'll talk about will probably carry a little bit more weight in terms of my expectations and how excited I am for those to come to fruition in terms of the anime adaptation. I am. Even though this might sound like a diss, I think of the four properties, I'm the least excited by this. And if I were to think of a final score that I would give it right now, it would be the most solid eight you have ever seen in your your entire fucking life. Because you just know what to expect. You just know this is going to be good. Like, is it going to be like, like, like a critically acclaimed? No, but every time I open it and stream and watch it, I know it's going to be an awesome time. Now, with the records it's set, though, and we were comparing it to things like Demon Slayer and Spike's family, right? So we saw like how much of a, uh, how much it took the world over with like Demon Slayer and then Jujutsu Kaisen. Does Kaiju Number Eight also hold a similar kind of appeal, or do you think it's not quite there yet? Just simply because it hasn't been released. You mean like mass appeal? Yeah. So I thought about this, which is. In Japan, kaijus hold a special cultural significance with Godzilla and whatnot. And in, in, in that sense, Godzilla and the Kong movies, well, right? That was also huge everywhere else. And then you also have like the big robot shit with like Pacific Rim and all that. But Pacific Rim was dope. Yeah. Not the second one, but you know, it was just... Okay. The I think that the West don't really know much about kaiju number eight. They probably were to see the trailer and being like, the fuck is this? Because the trailer, actually, the announcement trailer is just basically manga footage cut and rejiggered in some way. So there wasn't any actual animation that we saw. But, hey. I thought it was just stills of a city. Yeah, yeah basically. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was, right? Yeah, yeah, With yeah. little raindrops every now and then. Yeah, it's like, oh, it's like a movement. But, like, it's like static movement, if that makes any sense. It doesn't. But I think that people will be pleasantly surprised because we know what to expect. I think a lot of Japanese people would know what to expect, but kaijus in general is just not something that is known that much, even if you're a hardcore anime fan. Because what what else is there? Right. Well, I guess that's about enough about kaijus. Then let's, let's talk about cream puffs. Let's talk about magic muscles and cream puffs. So the next series that we're going to talk about is Mashal, Magic and Muscle, which... Mashal is the portmanteau of magic and muscle. So I, I I read a chapter of this first, and then I kind of put it to the side, and then you picked it up, and then you just crushed the series. I think you're you're almost current, right? I think there is a as of right now, it's 124 chapters. I am at 122, um, and Will was actually the first one to read it, and then I just kind of just took the reins and just kind of went with it yeah that was the time when i was reading things like spike's family sakamoto days and mashal i i put sakamoto days on hold and we may get into sakamoto days at some point because that could be one to get adapted but i think it's just because the spy x family is here that one's kind of just left by the wayside but we're not talking about either of those two we're talking about mashal i mean do you remember like for a while mashal and sakamoto days were like the rising star and then all uh, as like the next Shonen series because they are from 
Shonen Weekly Jump magazine, not Shonen Jump, even though they are now also on Manga Plus and Jump Plus. It is a series written and illustrated by Hajime Komoto, and it is published digitally by Viz Media, Manga Plus, and uh, there's Ma- Viz Media also announced a print and digital uh, publication. The, as of March 2022, the manga has sold over 3 million copies. Oh, no, sorry. 3 million copies in circulation. So it's not like sold to customers, but it is sold to stores and retailers. In 2022, it was it won a shit ton of awards, like the Next Manga Award. And um, one Suffice th- to say, these things, like most of the stuff we're talking about yeah. has gotten a lot of plaudits. Yeah, I, I think what we should do, Will, in the future is basically say, yo, it got a shit ton of awards. Okay, move on. That, yeah. And then that's basically... Well, what's the point? Oh, Manga Taisho. Oh, okay, Next Media Awards. Okay, what, what else is there? These are just really damn good series. What I would say that is this adaptation is unique among the four is that right off the bat, they're like, listen, guys, not only have we announced the anime adaptation of Mashal, but we are announcing the complete anime adaptation of Mashal. And I think that move is always so risky and ballsy that if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, then, hey, at least you tried. Because, like, what, it was Fruits Basket was the last one that I kind of remember being like, oh, yeah. They they just straight up, We're like... We're going to redo the whole damn thing. yeah. It was like no, no, no whole bars. I was like, damn. Yeah. So it's been running since January 2020. Um, and uh, as um, as the name Mashal is, it's a portmanteau of magic and muscle. Yes. So yeah, literally the, the full title is Mashal, Magic and Muscles. Well, colon, Magic and Muscles, but yes. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So um, in terms of the story, uh, it's set in a magical world with a magic society focused on a young boy named Mash Bernadette. Wait, so Harry Potter? He looks straight up like Harry Potter. I think what's also funny as well is that, like, the the, the trademark, the, the hallmark of, of a Harry Potter, Harry Potter like image is the little thunder scar that he has on his forehead. Right. Well, everybody has that on fucking on their faces because it determines your magic level. Yeah. Your so power one line level. is you know you're 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 base. You're just a based like, magician. You got two lines. Ah, now you're 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 upping yourself. And then you got three lines, four lines, however many lines. There's also artificial lines. But what happens that. if you got zero lines, which is exactly the predicament that our main character is in well he has he has a line but the line itself is kind of just it's it's a red herring he doesn't have any magic powers that's correct so what does he do he does the one punch man thing of basically well then i should just beef the fuck up so whenever it's like oh like you know instead of doing like your when guardian leviosis he'll do like pectoral flex or psoas flex so in this bicep extension that kind of shit yeah and in this world if you do not have magic powers, you are shunned and sometimes even just killed because genocide is like a thing, I guess. I don't know. But the point is that... I like that you said that so like... like yeah. Genocide, yeah, it's cool. Because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I actually thought about it and that's actually like kind of... It's like super fucked up, but okay. That's like not really a thing that they focus on at all. But, other it's, than, but, but in, a, in a way it is because of the fact that this is a kid with no magic powers whatsoever living in a world where they hold everything magic to the highest regard and anything below that just non-existent. Long story short, somehow he gets into magic academy school thing and meets a lot of friends, defeats a lot of enemies, and uses his muscles 
to go against pure magic, and most of the time he succeeds. So you say One Punch Man, you say Harry Potter. It's essentially that's what I mean. I'm not the first nor the last to say it's One Punch Man, Harry Potter. A lot of the story is very, very similar to how Harry Potter rolls out. I mean, the kid shows up, all of a sudden he actually is like super powered, but he's very latent in his superpowers. They even have like the the broom arc as well, very similar to how it works out in Harry Potter, where they learn how to ride brooms. That's just really okay. So it's very on the nose on what it's trying to parody. Exactly. So. Essentially, to to hide the fact that he has no magical powers, you realize that he does basically, it looks the same thing, but there's moments where, like, characters will be like, whoa, shit, what just happened? Yeah, it's, and then it's, they, it's, it's, very, it's, it's very well done. MASH does something, and all of a sudden everyone's like, holy fuck, he just broke a world record. And then there'll be that one character at the back with his jaw on the ground, and it's like, I don't think anybody saw what I saw. And then there'll be like 50 panels explaining how MASH uses the human body to be able to achieve extraordinary effects. And that is amazing. It I is. absolutely love it. it. The humor is so deadpan. Oh, and by the way, the reason why Cream Puffs is, is relevant is because Mashal likes Cream Puffs, just like how every other human being on the planet should. There's a there's a specific scene in the future like within uh, Mashal that explains the significance of Cream Puffs, and when it happened, I was like, this is so fucking funny. This is fucking hilarious. So, first of all, it I f- we forgot to mention, it is done by A1 Pictures. When the announcement came out first, it said that it was going to be distributed by Aniplex. So, of course, everyone's like, oh, well, who's the studio going to be? Who's going to be adapting it? Well, if you knew about Aniplex's track record and history, you know that usually they try and go for studios that are very much tied to the Aniplex Corporation. And so, of course, A1 steps in, and I think that's going to be beautiful. Look, I don't know why somehow three out of the four shows that we have decided for our first inaugural series primer is super action-oriented, but man, I can just see how much fun Mashal is going to be, and just how dumb it is, and everyone just be like, yeah, but it's dumb, but so? So what? In the way that we were saying that Kaiju number eight is just pure shonen excitement, Mashal is just like if you ever wanted to see something that was superhero esque, magical esque, but you add the gravity of some of the dumbest characters there are and just have plain balls to the wall action. I think that Mashal would have the ability to exceed my levels of excitement when comparing to watching the adaptation for Kaiju number eight. Not that I don't think Kaiju number eight would be great, but. I, I, I'm more looking forward to how Mashal will turn out. Yeah, and the comedy is not to be underestimated. Oh, because no, 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 not at all. You, you would think, oh, it's, it, it's, it's an action show because, you know, One Punch Man is very action-oriented and Harry Potter has a lot of, like, fighting with magic, which they do have a shit ton and of. And when you put those two things together, you're like, this is fucking great, but... There's also other parts of Mashal there, like when they actually like slow down the pace and they actually go into more character backgrounds and stories. Or in the middle of a fight, Mashal will be like, yo, chill. 
chill. I know we're about to kill each other, but chill. I need to eat my cream puff. Or oh, you destroyed my cream puff. Bro. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be a door in the world of. Oh, Mashal. dude. So, kaiju's destroy buildings. Mashals destroy rooms. Essentially, I feel bad for any engineer, you know, construction worker that has to clean up that mess. I I love Mashal. Mashal's gonna be great. So. Now that we know that it is going to be a full adaptation, or at least that's what they say it's going to be, and we also know that it's going to be A1 Pictures that's adapting it, how confident are you going to be in terms of this being like the perfect adaptation? Like This is going to be like flawless, no issues whatsoever. It might not be a 10 out of 10, but it's sure as shit going to be between an 8 and a 9. As someone who actually has read really, really far up to current... There is one thing that I did notice, which is the improvement to the art and the style has greatly, like, has is, is like really improved significantly. Such that if you were to look at, especially the earlier chapters where everything is kind of indoors, except maybe like a couple of things here and there, the later chapters, the amount of detail is way, way, way more intricate than I would have expected. Furthermore, um, I just feel like the style, that art style that is kind of Mashal, kind of becomes more of a Mashal thing rather than a One Punch Man with Harry Potter thing later on. And because of that, A1 Pictures is going to adapt it in the style and kind of the feel of the later chapters, I, I presume, because they can they can do whatever the fuck they want with their adaptation. And I have no like worries in terms of A1 adapting this. Like we've seen A1 do a lot of really really good work um both from like a comedic sense, from a dramatic sense, from an action sense, from a beautiful magical sense and I, the sad stuff too. So there's hasn't fortunately hasn't been a lot of sad stuff in Mashal. So uh no tears. Uh it's not as you know of as you know of, all right? Um it's it's uh yeah. It's not going to be an Anahana situation for sure, but um, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I think that I mean you you've watched sort of online, right? And yes. sort of online is a one, and as much as people deride the whole like sword art fandom and all that, and like blase characters and whatnot, the one thing that I hear from anybody that's watched and enjoyed Sao is the animation. I really don't like the movie Ordinal Scale. I think it is one of the few fives or sixes that I've given in my entire. Uh, my anime list career but then you have it does look- afterwards and that one got like a lot of acclaim but ordinal scale does look really good though yeah so this is going to be one of those mashal has a good story but the animation is is probably what we're going to be like focusing on as well uh, and i i don't think i'm going to have any issues with a1 adapting this i think my prediction is it will be a nine in my opinion because it's just a lot of fun, and sometimes, you know, when you're in it with a lot of fun and there's humor mixed in with action. No, kaiju definitely is no no slouch. But when you add in comedy as well, and it somehow blends well because it could just fall apart, but it works in this case. It just enhances both, both, both genres, in my opinion. And just as an aside as well, right? Like, you're probably looking up the manga scores for kaiju number eight and for Mashal, and both of them are high sevens, right? I think... Uh, Mashal is 7.8 and then Kaiju isn't that far off Kaiju is 7.8 Mashal is 7.64 okay, so all the way around so you're probably looking at it it's like well this is a 
that's a pretty mid score. I mean, it's a good score, but it's not like this is going to. If you're just basing it off of the manga score on my anime list, it's not going to be like fantastic, right? Well, let me remind you that before the adaptations of Demon Slayer and Jujutsu Kaisen came out, they were both mid and high sevens as well. Yeah, I mean, they were good, but they weren't like the tight, the, like the the crazy mammoth numbers that they are now, for and, sure. And what they needed were Ufo Table and Mappa respectively to propel them into like the upper echelons of the greatest media properties of all time so when you have Toa animation doing kaiju number eight and you have a1 pictures doing mashal i'm pretty confident that they're going to be fine and like i would i would i would expect that the manga scores would increase over time and with the anime yeah i i think eights for sure it's again. We talk about manga scores and about uh, 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 mouse scores, and it's very easy to manipulate. But I think generally people are going to enjoy the shit out of Kaiju Number Eight, and more so for Mashal. Now, I think the last thing that I will say about Mashal in particular, in terms of the adaptation process, is the fact that it is a complete adaptation. I understand that I've said that the fact that oh, this is a big deal already, but I think it is a big deal. Not no one, no one does that. I mean, right? yeah, it, for it's every, a lot of balls to come out and just say, we're doing everything. Like, for every Fruits Basket, there's also a Shield Hero Season 2 and 3. So I get Exactly, that. right? With Shield Hero, Shield Hero, a double season announcement, but the second season being utter garbage and still waiting for the third season to come out. There is that risk. For sure. But I also think on the flip side, it is, if you are already committed, right? Obviously, uh, other than, like, bailing and pulling out of the project... If you are committed to the full adaptation, shouldn't it make planning a bit easier? Shouldn't it make budget allocations oh, yeah. easier? Look, I have no basis, but I'm just sort of thinking, like, if you know the destination, then you can at least figure out... You have, part- a, you have a, a more clear itinerary. Yeah, you have a blueprint, right? So I think just having a complete adaptation, first of all, is just kind of Aniplex and A1 Pictures being like, yo... There's there's a lot of like check back, how yeah. big my dick is. There's a lot of pre-production stuff they'll need to do, specifically in terms of like signing contracts for all the VAs to be able to do all the work throughout every single season, right? So that's one thing that I think they'll need to keep in mind. But I don't think that's going to be much of an issue because, if anything, having consistent work for a VA would be a pretty good thing. I think the the VAs is actually a point of contention for me because if you look at if you look at the manga. And just look at the expressions of shock and stupidity that they have. That kind of demands the voice actors and actresses to kind of be very, not only aware of the tone, which obviously can be guided by the people who do the dubbing, but they also need to have that range, right? To be serious and also be stupid, even probably within the same chapter or the same episode. And MASH has to have this one-punch man... the, the comparison is inevitable. So it needs to have that Saitama kind of like, I don't care. Because he is very deadpan. He is very like stone-faced. But he cares a lot. So he's like, you have to not have emotions, but have emotions in it. It's just kind of tough. I and think. and I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be saying this as well. I'll be disappointed if they don't cast Ken Suda as one of the Silent Zero characters. Or one of the villains. 
is you, you like you said right there's going to be like specific kinds of voice acting profiles that when you mash it with like mash it when you, when you mash it with like the the absurdity that's on screen and the craziness that is like the expressions and the reactions of the characters i think ken suda's is like perfectly fitted in there that's just my opinion oh shit hold on sorry we need to go back to kaiju number eight will we have to do what we are now calling the kanahana section do you think Kanahana will do a role in Kaiju number eight? Maya Sakamoto. Done. Okay. Maya Sakamoto. I, I, I think her. I wouldn't doubt that like, there might be some involvement for her Kanahana, but I, I would like to see Maya Sakamoto being like the commander, like okay. the, 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 the main the Kudere. The main heroine Kudere. Okay, so okay, so it'll be Maya Sakamoto and Kanahana. Okay, so now let's go to Mashal. Maya Sakamoto or Kanahana. And in which role? So there's not that many female characters in Mashal. There's basically only one. There's only one. Well, there's also one for like the 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 one of the later characters that show up. But for her, I don't know. I don't think. I it's think that's. Be I think it's more Kanahana esque than Maya Sakamoto. But I don't think that it's Kanahana's thing either. I feel like she's probably gonna have a lot. Says long, Rize and she's, um. She's gonna have more involvement in Oshino Ko for sure. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. that that's the kind of thing that she'll be doing because because there's a lot more complexity to the repertoire that is like the characters that are in Oshinoko, which we'll go into later on. I'm just trolling because I think we should do the Kanahana Maya Sakamoto thing for every single well, I mean, series. They, they, they're, they're our most favorite VAs. For yeah, sure. exactly. I mean, I, we, and we Kensuda. Maybe we might as well. We also do Kensuda section as well. We, we can, if you have all three, then immediately you're just like this. The is world will implode. Implode for sure. But. A1 Pictures does not only feature once on this episode, but twice. Because Will and I are not going to take no breaks. No breaks. We're going to, we're not going to have like, any I bullshit. Like I like this. All gas, Jason. All gas, no breaks. We're going to move on to our third series, which Will apparently has a lot to talk about. And I actually have some things to say as well. Will, take the floor. So we talked about two Jump Plus uh, accessible manga series are getting adaptations. And uh, there is a consistency in the A1 Pictures realm because we're not going into a manhua known as solo leveling. Alternatively known as uh, I Only I Level Up. Uh, it's a South Korean web novel written by Chu Gong, uh, and it was serialized on Kakao's uh, digital uh, platform, Kakao Page, and uh, it is now accessible on Tappy Toon. Uh, it was uh, published, I think it was published by DC Comics? DNC Media, sorry, um, under the Papyrus label back in 2016. So the illustrator uh, is Dubu um, from Redice Studio. Um, we've covered some you know, pretty sad news about uh about his passing uh, yeah. not too long ago uh rest in peace um so yeah so oh you're right yeah so there was uh, actually yeah so uh in terms of its webtoon service kakao page for south korea pekoma for japan tapas and web novel and pocket comics as well as tappy tune for english then your north american boy yen press is like yo maybe we should take all this uh <laughs> webtoon tapas hype and uh put it in manga form and release that digitally and physically so uh that's what they did yeah as of now i think there's like five volumes of yeah, the manga yeah i think september or something was like somewhere in september was like the latest volume fifth volume just showed up yeah big big media project because there's also going to be an rpg that's in development uh and now you know if you haven't heard from this specific episode an anime adaptation has been announced for it as well 
All right, well, you're ready for this cast list. So it is first done by A1 Pictures. Uh, but do you like audio, Will? Oh, yeah, of course. What if I were to tell you that we got the Hans Zimmer of Japanese orchestral anime soundtracks? Mr. Sawano, Mr. Hiroyuki, the big boy? The big boy. He is doing... And th- when they announced the... The announcement trailer is also the same thing with Kaiju number eight in terms of just still footage or like little static movements. But what they do have is uh, Sawano's music, and it's just fucking fantastic. It's just like right off the bat, they're just like, yo, uh, we're going to put our money where our mouth is and show you what we got. And um, solo leveling is just crazy in terms of the hype that's behind it because... It is probably one of the most well-known webtoon in existence, right? Would you say, Will? Oh, oh, like most? Absolutely the so, most. So what? It would be like God, things like God of High School, Tower of God, maybe like uh, Omniscient Reader, Omniscient I think. Omniscient Reader is, is also like trending pretty big right and now And then well. solo leveling. I would say like these four in terms of just sheer action. What about the vampire one? Listen. Listen, n- Crunchyroll, what the hell? Yeah, and guess what? Crunchyroll is also distributing this series outside of Asia. So they basically uh, kind of said, hey, remember our Webtoon kind of partnership, even though it's not with Webtoon, but we kind of have our Crunchyroll originals that all kind of bombed a bit. Yeah, well, um, let's stick it on to uh, solo leveling. So, Will, what is solo leveling about? Because last I heard, when you level up solo, it's pretty hard. Nobody likes to solo grind. If anybody's ever played an RPG or like an MMORPG or just generally a game where you are focused on one singular character and it is you that has to power up, scale up, and improve your character's powers, doing it on your own is incredibly boring and tedious. Unfortunately, this is something that the main character has to do because, ah, man, being a, being a superhero sucks. Being like a, a solo artist of, of any sorts is, is is pretty shit. But that's what happens when you are one of the, the, the weakest heroes within this world. So this is focused on a character named Sung Jin Woo, a notoriously weak hunter that just doesn't seem to be able to get anything right. He is the lowest rank he, uh, hero of all time. In fact, that when they actually um, reviewed his power levels it barely even registered to the point where it's like this person doesn't even have hunter powers. So what are hunters will in, in, in this universe? They're essentially kind of like, um, they're, 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 they're specific warriors. that are like for hire, um, whether it's, you know, through our, um, from private organizations, from setting up their own guilds. Uh, and they're essentially going around destroying monsters evildoers where or, do the monsters come from they come from these uh weird portals called gates uh oh so like that japanese anime yes <laughs> yes <laughs> we never really talked much about gate did we uh let's 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 you just, didn't like let's, gate. let's lock up that discussion real fuck, quick fuck gate well gate's not that bad but it's it's nah don't worry so so i thought the we, premise for gate was decent so when you're watching, when, okay, when you're reading the first three episodes of uh, of of solo leveling, you're it, it's very clear. Sung Jin Woo is a weak piece of shit. Cannot hold a sword. Can't hold his own. Always gets injured. Even when doing the lowest ranked dungeons and instances, 
he needs like rank B and rank A healers to be able to support him. He is just dead weight. Yeah. And sometimes he is used because there are certain rules with like the hunter organization. So you need to have like I think it's like if it's like a C rank or a B rank dungeon, you need to have the, the like, you need to have a certain amount of rank Bs, a certain level of rank Cs, and then the rest of it, like 50% of it, has to be made up by lower-level ranked uh, characters and, and hunters. So I think the first thing that I want to clarify, which I think will will expand upon, is that compared to the average human being, hunters are actually slightly more uh, like superior in terms of uh, physical strength and capabilities. Like, Imagine they're like superhumans in a way. So it's not a video game because even though they use lingo like A rank, B rank, C rank, even though we use things like gate, dungeons, and instances, and even though it looks and sounds like a video game, it is very much like a real-life scenario mixed with this fantasy kind of thing. They are literally the representations of the military for each respective government within the world of solo leveling. So if you look to the the Korean army, the Korean government, the Japanese government, the American government, or even like the world government, they will have their own hunter societies, hunter associations. And that's like when you when you actually start reading it more and more, there's no there's no police. Well there are police, but there's yeah, no like, there's no there's no army, there's no like military generals because the hunters themselves are those generals. They are those commanders. And I think in the lore, the reason why gates are kind of this big deal is because after a certain time, which I think is seven days, the gate opens oh, yeah. up big time and everything on the other side comes through whether it's goblins dragons wyverns uh, minotaurs like even like evil deities and gods they will pour through those gates and wreak havoc on the general populace therefore the hunter's responsibility is to basically as we'll kind of mention the military and the enemies are these uh creatures that come through this portal as kind of like this middle ground and we need to close it in seven days. That's it. So what's so important about this Sung Jin Wu? Why is this weak-ass motherfucker like the point of focus? Well, in the beginning, within the first three chapters or the first few episodes, if you're reading on Tappy Toon, he has to take part in a dungeon raid. So he, he, he's basically there to make up the numbers because, the, as what Jason said, he is needed to be able to meet the requirements for the group to be able to access uh, the specific dungeon. Oh, it's just another day as the lowest-ranked hunter in existence, right? So they go in, do their shit, and, you know, because of the fact that this group has worked quite well together, they're able to clear the dungeon quite quickly. However, after clearing the dungeon, the gate that leads them back into Earth doesn't open. It still remains closed until they wonder, wait a minute, have we not fought the final boss yet? Then they realize, as they keep venturing deeper and deeper into this dungeon, that it is actually a double dungeon. There is a second door within this dungeon that they actually need to clear i swear this is not a video game setting this is like quote unquote in the real life in that universe yeah this is i mean look when the whole the whole story itself is just one big ass video game but set in real life quote unquote right and so they open the doors they go in and the room is empty there's just one solitary statue sitting on a throne at the very end and two large night-shaped statues standing side by side to the giant-ass door that they just opened. They go in there, and they're wondering, well, what the hell? Nothing's happening. 
Then Sung Jin Woo notices something. He sees a tome on the side of the room that has specific commandments that allude to a specific god that exists within this room. And as soon as he starts reading it, the door closes and calamity ensues. The dungeon is riddled with monsters, with gods, with traps, and half the party is wiped out because they have awoken this angry god that was sitting on the throne. The knights are protecting the door for if anybody wants to try and escape it, they get their heads knocked off. Okay, so I think that this sequence is fantastic, but long story short, Will, because we shouldn't reveal all of it, right? It is just the three chapters, and it's also in the plot synopsis, too. Sure. Okay, that's fair. That's as far as I'll go. That's fair game, though. We, we did say plot synopsis is fair game. So if you want to expand on that, because honestly, that whole sequence really encapsulates what to expect from solo leveling in a very succinct, like... Because, as, as far as throwing you in the deep end, that's as deep as can go. Yeah, okay, because Webtoons and Tapas uses episodes as they... That's their style, and then mangas kind of have their different thing. It's very weird in order for me to figure out with Will where I am at in relation to where he's at without mentioning plot points. So that aside, though, Will, you have a lot to say? Yeah, so right near the end, Sun Jin Woo figures out how to clear the dungeon. But in order to do that, he needs to sacrifice himself and let his party members, the surviving party members, escape from the room. No. No. That's just what ends up happening, though. Yeah. There there, there was supposed to be something else happening, but then because... this, this, this Human dude, beings this, don't yeah. trust other human beings, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Originally, there was a plan in place, and then as, as far as things go, plans don't always work, right? They, the things don't always go to plan, and then therefore... Out of desperation, because of the fact that he doesn't want to let anybody around him down, Sun Jin Woo then decides to sacrifice himself. And lo and behold, when he does, a screen pops up. Wait, what? A screen? Yeah. What does it say? It says uh, you have completed the, I think it was like the, the secret, the, the, the trial, secret achievement the, or the something. The trial of the weakling quest. Yeah. And he just is like, what the hell is this? It's like, do you accept this quest? Accept this quest in three seconds or you will die. Three, two, one, and then accepts it, passes out, wakes up, and all the body parts that have been lopped off him, all the gashes. Oh, and, yeah. You know. By the way, it's quite bloody. Oh, yeah. we for, Okay, they kind of censor it, but they also don't in the same time. Like, very obvious. So, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll go into that a bit more later yeah, on as well. For sure. Right? I, I Especially some, for the adaptation. I have something to say about that too, for sure. So he wakes up and all of a sudden he's like, wait, was that all a dream? Is that is that just like, was this all just fantasy? Like, I guess was that is. Was it just reality? Yeah. Like that Queen song? But then as he keeps like trying to like, you know, figure things out, these digital screens keep popping up and he's just like, okay, like, this is just a side effect of what happened from the dungeon, right? I need, to, I need to check this. So he, he, he gets out of the hospital. He then asks people, like, oh, do you see the screen? It's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Dude, dude, you just went through a lot. You just go home. Just relax a bit, okay? You keep talking about these, like, screen things. Like, chill the fuck out. Like, I know you've been through a lot, okay? It turns out that this is just no ordinary screen. He's no longer a hunter anymore. He has now evolved into becoming a player. When He's I saw now, that, yeah. I... I lost my shit. 
And so then begins the story of solo leveling, because Sun Jun Wu is now tasked with solo quests for him to be able to strengthen, to improve, and to become the strongest hunter of all time. However, though, according to me, at least in the very beginning and where I'm at, people still think he's a weakling because his, like, hunter power level because they did some sort of like test yeah there's like a there's like a, a reader like a, a a meter for them to be able to like guesstimate how much like innate hunter power there is within each person it's like some bullshit scientology touch the crystal type shit your your your, your thetans and all that yeah no he literally yeah. touched yeah. the crystal so anyway so he touches it and they're like oh yeah nothing you're you're, you're the same piece of random bullshit weak shit that you're known for such that you even have your own moniker so you just uh, you know what? i'm just gonna get out of here but then these these screens keep popping up and then there's a quest that he needs to do ah this is just a hallucination whatever oh you can level up wait what he finds out that by doing these quests by doing these assignments that the blue screen keeps popping up he is able to gain level he's able to gain levels on his then, own and then, and then ability points and skill points to be able to put into specific stats like strength and dexterity and um no not dexterity agility and uh and perception and i think and sen- sense and intelligence yeah. and all that i think there's like six stats or something six stats and then he starts adding them up and then he's actually a lot stronger however the system still registers him as a low life because what he's going through right now does not exist in the world that he lives in. But as or soon does as it? Then that's when it happens, when he starts ascending these levels to the point where his power levels are incredibly high that even the, 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 the crystal, the orb of power, can't even register what he is. That's when the suspicions of the rest of the Hunters Association starts arising, where they look at it and say, is this an awakening? And within this context, an awakening is when a character dies, but then gets you know reincarnated to have stronger stats, to have stronger powers. But most of the time, if you are a hunter of a specific rank, that's where you stay. Unless, of course, it's like you achieve certain uh, quests or complete certain jobs, then you can get promoted to the next rank. But as far as there is, there is a limit to how your rank goes. It doesn't apply to Sung Jin Woo. Right. Like basically, everyone's aptitude is capped, but whether or not you reach that cap is a different thing. So technically, you can get promoted for sure. Will, let me give you my take on solo leveling. And I'll give you my take on solo leveling. Because it seems like you, you made it very apparent that you have a lot to say, which I actually think is awesome. So I think solo leveling, as same with Mashal in many ways, and especially with Kaiju, is... The premise is the most generic bullshit you have ever seen. Just going, us going through the plot synopsis is just like, I can just hear the listeners like groaning, rolling their eyes. And to be very honest, if it wasn't for the pedigree that it had, if I heard the premise, I would have probably done the exact same thing. I mean, like just in the previous season, you had Black Summoner, you had My Isika Life, where it's just oh, you are a low-level reincarnated mage or summoner and uh, you're just going to be, you know, you're just going to be working on low-level quests, low-level jobs. They then didn't realize this person actually reincarnated to be one of the most powerful summoners starting at the lowest level and as they keep leveling up, they actually will become 
higher than an A tier, an S tier. So like the strongest sage with the weakest crest is like basically that, right? So this is just any old sort of like overpowered, like power level fantasy kind of thing, right? Right. So what sets this apart to me is several things. The first thing is, and we mentioned it briefly, is the amount of savagery in terms of punish, punishing and violence that incurs in solo leveling because it is not happy-go-lucky. In fact, it's quite grim. And they have no qualms murdering people, even though they're like uh, what we call red shirts, like extras. Some of them die in like the worst ways possible. Like, you don't deserve that. But they also highlight just how shitty human beings can be. Yeah. It's a real rough world being in the world of solo leveling. Um, they, they, yeah, they don't they don't hold any punches. Just straight up, like you have a character you like, okay, uh, enjoy them for a couple chapters because they're probably gonna die or they're gonna get incredibly fucked up and become useless. Yeah, or PTSD and all that stuff. Like real, like those characters go through some fucked up stuff, and yeah. it's not like oh, I'll just press a button and fully recover unlike a certain person in the story yeah what else did you feel about you know your your experience from from reading uh solo leveling i think one of the best qualities of solo leveling from a manga perspective because you read it from a webtoon perspective is the the journey you really see literal step by step of how he goes from a nobody to kind of a somebody. And furthermore, every step of the way, you see like his logic, like, oh, because he's not just like, oh, you you see him just wrecking shit, but you'd be like, okay, let me think about this for a sec. Yeah. Okay. Like if you've played any RPGs or any MMOs, like, you know, you want to get to a certain level, but you have to grind to get yeah. to that level. And the grind is usually the most tedious and boring thing. But when you watch Sun Jung Woo, go through the grind it is actually some of the most beautiful chapters the most like the most in-depth lore of the story that like actually i really enjoy watching this kid grind and get to where he is yeah and i think on top of all that he tries to exploit the system that he's apparently in i think there is one instance where he has an item that looking at the stats, would cause a huge buff in one area, but a huge debuff in another area. But over time, he has acquired something that basically negates the negative consequences. So he's just like, fuck it. Let's just see what happens. And then turns out the negative consequences just just vanish, and he got the good shit. On top of all that, you you really see him kind of turn into... A, a really fucked up person. A monster. Like, such a fucked up person. And you would be like, but he's like this low-rank guy, and he kind of has powers, so he's like Deku, he's like the main character in you, Kaiju you, number 8. For these characters, you're literally a product of the environment, and the environment is, like, it's literally a survival of the fittest. And use any means whatsoever to be able to achieve your goal, even if it means having to kill someone or to just let go of your humanity. I think there is that one point where he's at a tipping point of if i don't do what i'm about to do i will die and the the panel which obviously with webtoons is different is like five i would say even eight pages of just like 
these people fucked me, these people wronged me, I've tried to do the right thing and still got fucked over, and I'm holding on to dear life, no one gives a shit about me, no one fucks around, fuck it. They don't like, love, like, life doesn't love me, so I should just fuck shit up. And take someone else's life in my own hands. Because they're gonna take my life anyways. It's do or die, doggy dog world, right? And Christ Almighty, some there, of the there, things that, that sort of like the, the redemption arcs and some of the and and soul leveling is just wow, it's so good. I think very very early on there is that B rank healer that only does B rank because. She just doesn't want any trouble. I think she does lower ranks, actually. Same, yeah. For, for that specific reason. Like, she's ranked B, but she doesn't do any of that because she doesn't, like... It's like she, the equivalent of stage fright. Like, she just panics and, like, just can't, like, do anything beyond, like, what her ability allows her to. She has to do the easier stuff because it doesn't stress her out. So, she was in the dungeon with Song Jong-woo in that fateful dungeon. And uh, she did not come out fully unscathed and... Uh, her kind of like thinking process and trauma is just like the most yeah if i was in that situation yeah i'll probably lose my fucking mind too or like just reassess what i should do and uh it is quite real in many ways despite the fantastical nature of it I, I really like solo leveling. I, I mean, like I, I think in the beginning, it was just like, I kind of derided it because like, this is just like any other generic, like overpowered fucking like story. Like what's so special about this? So, so what is so special about this? So I told you how much I read a couple days ago and I was like maybe around the same point as you were. Um, so I was like maybe around like 40 to 50 episodes uh, as of day before uh, of this recording. And, I was ready to just put it down and say, hey, you know what? Like, I think I've read enough to be able to at least talk about why solo leveling is interesting and why it's worthy of an adaptation, specifically by A1 Pictures. But I couldn't put it down. You did a mash. I, 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 I read it, and as I was reading it, I was just like, I, I know what's going to happen. And I feel like this is something that is no different from any other overpowered manga series that I've read. I just kept reading and reading and reading, and as I was or able scrolling to, and scrolling and scrolling, as I was confirming my suspicions about what's going to happen next, because it was very apparent what was going to happen next, I got to that conclusion. But then I wanted to read more, and I wanted to read more and more and more to the point where, if we went by the the webtoon version, I completed the first season. I read a hundred and ten chapters or a hundred and ten episodes of solo leveling. And I didn't miss a beat. Everything was just so beautifully drawn. The story was very, very rich and encapsulating. And despite the fact the themes are so blasé and similar to all the shit I've read before, there was just something about solo leveling that I just wanted to continue reading. And again, it is not unique. It is very much a story that if you were to look into other manga series, other webtoon series, you'll probably find something similar. I just really wanted to, like you said, continue on this journey with Sung Jin Woo. I wanted to see why this was so good, why this was so popular. And I see it. And I understand why there's like so much clamor about why this thing is getting an adaptation. The so, fight sequences are going to be ridiculous. 
the story is going to be rich. The characters are going to be emotional and deep. And I think when you put everything together, especially when you have studios like A1 Pictures and you have the music done by Hir- uh, Hiroki Sawano and you pair it up with really good voice acting, this is going to be a banger with an asterisk. Because now I think is a good time to talk about where. Not really where, but more about like what the other side of the perception of solo leveling is. Because remember, when it was first announced, there were a lot of people that were super excited about finally getting solo leveling. But not everybody was excited about it. I know it's a very touchy subject, but I think we do need to cover it a little bit. Because, yep. Certain portrayals of certain characters and certain countries are not necessarily very PC. nice. Very nice, yeah, right? Okay. Um, it is a very it's it, it's a it's a South Korean web novel and um, webtoon uh, that is not I wouldn't say nationalistic, but definitely very proud of the of of, of the Korean identity, which does mean that there are certain countries. I don't want to say them because. I don't want to get too political here. Um, that they don't really shine in a very good light. Now, but is it like... Because the part that I've read, they imply, but not like explicitly like... It's not that heavy in the first season. It's not that heavy from where I've read up to so far. Okay. But I have seen in terms of other people who have gone on to subsequent episodes of Solo Leveling and the Manhua, that it does get a lot worse. Now, with the adaptation of solo leveling it was also announced that rather than adapting the manhwa they're going to adapt the manga yes. the japanese manga of solo leveling which means that sung jung woo is not going to be sung jung woo uh he's going to have a different japanese name which i don't remember what it was if you can pull it up, if i'm pretty wonderful. sure I'm pr- hold on hold on let me let me look because yeah. i'm pretty sure his name is sung jung woo they all have korean names no they don't I mean, like this is speculated right now. They actually are going to be changing the name of the main character, and they're not going to be basing it in Seoul. Okay. It's going to be based in Tokyo instead. So, so let's see here. Well, well, well. So, okay, so this is the first volume digital right here, and the names here. Yeah, I mean, but that's because it's directly adapted from the manhwa, right? They're actually going to be changing the name. Huh. Huh. There is, of course, speculation as to whether they will go through it because it hasn't been fully confirmed yet. But uh, I thought I was reading the manga, though. Okay. I don't. Yeah. So uh, in terms of the Japanese trailer, it's not Sung Jin Woo. The main character's name is Shun Mizushino. And instead of being based in Seoul, it'll be based in Tokyo. And where there are references to Japan and specific islands, they're going to be a fictional country and fictional islands. That's what the speculation is. And it's slowly but surely being a little bit more approved. And it's because of the fact that it covers a little bit of that political controversy behind the adaptation of solo leveling. Um, we may attach like a news article that goes along with the specific section because we don't want to go into like the real political Trump controversy uh, that lies behind the adaptation of solo leveling. Um, I I think that if they're going to adapt it and they go to a specific source, then 
that's fine with me. Again, like with regards to what's happening behind the scenes in terms of why people feel that getting this adaptation from A1 Pictures, from a Japanese studio on a Korean property, I don't want to get into that because that's not my place. I'm not here to do political commentary. I'm here to just talk about good anime and good manga, right? So we we, we will start moving past this now unless, unless, Jason, you have anything you want to add to it. I cannot speak on the negative images that solo leveling portrays other countries but if i were to give my quick take on adapting you know um the solo leveling and changing the names and the locations well a lot of western remakes of japanese horror movies and all of these things have that already but whether or not the commentary is has an effect on that is a different conversation that i don't think we should have yeah but but it should be mentioned for sure there's a lot of like media there's a lot of like stories that portray like other countries other people in negative lights but like for example if we were to like say like the 007 series most of the time if there's going to be an evil villain they're usually portrayed by a russian or by a german um and in this case japan and korea don't necessarily have the friendliest of of histories and it's a very sensitive topic, so we don't want to really get into that. But we we hope that by the time the adaptation for Solo Leveling comes out, that what we will focus on is the beauty that is the story, the beauty that is the adaptation, and not try to stir up any sort of political hate. Uh, oh, I just people. saw a big spoiler yeah. as to oh Jesus, okay that that wasn't too bad of a big spoiler, but that was a big spoiler I just read. Okay. Now I really know why they're super unhappy. You understand, right? Because uh, that spoiler in one sentence told me exactly the ramifications of, wow, that's kind of fucked up. And hence why there is that Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, exactly what I'm talking what you're talking about. I know exactly. Did you look at the thing that I just saw? I, I would have already seen it. I know everything behind this to why there is a lot of backlash in terms of getting A1 Pictures to adapt this. Spoiler alert. It was implied earlier on the episode but not from solo leveling yeah so we will we'll move away from the political stuff here and just focus on what we're going to expect from the adaptation for we're solo not leveling. politicians we're not like news pundits we are weebs here talking about anime and it's, manga. it's just not our place to talk about that kind of stuff but so, what we yeah. will talk about though is it just it looks fantastic the trailer even though there's no footage it just looks clean, looks so crisp. Sawano's music is fantastic. I am very excited about this show. I think this one is like 8.59, but my issue into why it is not a 9 or a high 9 to 10 is because I worry where it ends because there is a good chance that where they cut in terms of the story or depending on how many curves they end up doing, I feel like could be a very cliffhangery type of scenario. That's fine for me. I mean, I I understand the concerns you have in terms of like where they cut will then for affect what the final score is for that particular season. But I think, I think like beyond that, if we look at like the grand sort of adaptation, like if they were to, put everything together i think they i mean it, it, it's it's a given this is going to be a successful adaptation 
So the first season, I think that they will probably do a single cur as well, or a double, like a, a split double cur. Who knows? But uh, I, I, I'm not worried about like whether this is going to look good or not. It's, it's going to look fantastic. Okay. Um. Quick, 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 quick. Um. Kanahana and Maya Sakamoto. I think being the for where I'm at, being the healer would make the most sense for Kanahana at the moment. And Maya Sakamoto being the other lady that shows up later on. Okay. Yeah. I don't know who there's, that person is. There, there's going to be... Um, you, is she you hot? Just, you just, oh, yes. Bro. Yeah, yeah. There you go. She doesn't have purple hair, though. Fuck. Well, then, what are we doing here? Not, not, I mean, like... Look, Pack it, your bags, so lovely. Dude, this is, this is, this is a manhua. This is not, like, Japanese. They're not going to be going into those specific tropes. But do you know who has purple hair, though? Ah, we're going to move into the final the final series we were in the prime about, right? Okay. Okay, so actually, is there anything that you want to sort of summarize or your thoughts I'm on this? I'm just excited. I'm just excited. I, I think like I, was, I I'm more excited to see Mashal just because it's it's fucking Mashal, but I'm also like pretty keen to see how things will turn out with the powerhouse that is A1 Pictures and Hiroki Suwano with the backing of Aniplex as well to be doing solo leveling. So, uh, I, I will wait. I will wait for this thing to come out. Uh, but whilst we wait, we will go into Oshinoko. I will say, though, it is very hard for us to do a whole section, a whole chunk, focusing on a property for it to not be good. So it's very hard for us to sort of even invest the time and money and for you listeners to listen to us talk about it and being like, oh, this anime adaptation is going to be shit. And that's why it's also like when we're talking about Oshinoko, it's going to be very hard for us to explain and discuss what the series is about because uh, in terms of the four series we've gone over, right, before with Kaiju number eight, with Mashal, and with Soul Leveling, even if you were to spoil a few things, your enjoyment of the series won't really deter that much. Oshinoko, on the other hand, is extremely 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 vulnerable to spoilers because it's a very rich and complex story and you have to read it chapter by chapter by chapter and religiously follow it episode to episode when it gets adapted to fully understand and appreciate the grand scale of what Aka Akasaka did to be able to create this kind of story like I, I think that in terms of ambition in terms of like where like the heights of the adaptation can go I think Oshinoko is like miles above the three that we talked about earlier. So some background information on Oshinoko. So it is uh, the alternate titles is her fans or their idols children. It is a manga written by Aka Akasaka and illustrated by Mengo Yokoyari. Aka Akasaka probably being the most well known for being the author and uh uh, artist for Kaguya-sama Love is War. If you don't know what that is, well... Just listen back to a couple chapters, a couple episodes before. Dude, we, we, we really fucking love Kaguya-sama. Everyone loves Kaguya-sama. I don't really know anybody who who actually like actively hates it out of genuine hate rather than mainstream like hipster hate, that kind of thing. Yeah. But anyways, Mango Yokoyari is probably best well-known for Scum's Wish. The creator of Scum's Wish. So... When you, even though... I it, love Scum's Wish, by the even way. Even though it's only illustrated by Mengo, imagine combining Kaguya-sama and Scum's Wish. And actually, that is not far off from Oshinoko's weird 
tone, pace, whatever you want to call it. Yep. All I will say about Oshinoko. Is this really going to be all you'll say? Is <laughs> it concerns the idol and large entertainment industry in Japan. I, I, I don't want to make it sound that simple, but it essentially is social commentary on the landscape that exists within media representation, character representation, not just in Japan, but also like just the idea of idol culture, the idea of popularity, the, the idea, idea of fandom, yes. the idea of being well-known, the idea of being fake or real. All these things that are kind of core concepts in these types of uh, shows that focus on the entertainment industry this is Oshinoko. Yep. So, what are you like? Really like watching um, live action, like melodramas. You like watching reality shows. You like watching uh, your favorite idols performing. All the pros and cons, all like the good stuff and the bad stuff that you've come to know within those specific circles of entertainment are very much highlighted within Oshinoko. It follows the story of a young idol named Ai Hoshino, who is who has sky- purple hair and skyrocketing the popularity uh, charts. You know, she runs and leads a very, very successful idol group called B Komachi, and uh, yeah, she all of a sudden decides to take a little bit of a hiatus, then goes to a clinic, like a, a hospital, where a doctor, who unsurprisingly is a massive fan of uh, Ai Hoshino and her idol group. Who's uh, also the main character. Yes. Uh, then finds out that, uh, you know, she's not just taking a hiatus to take a break from work exhaustion. No. It turns out that she is pregnant. Preggers. With twins. Twins! And that's the issue here. She's 16 years old. <gasps> and as far as idol culture goes, or even just big fan culture. Or just general. You, you, you do not sully your own reputation and destroy your pure innocent image because that is like the biggest betrayal betrayal to all the fans that love and support you yes and so she has to do this in secret she cannot reveal anything her manager is losing his shit because she's wondering he's wondering why the hell are you doing this are you trying to sabotage your own career are you trying to ruin your life and i just says well no i i want a family i love being an idol but i also want to have children I can separate both. And that's essentially the crux of the whole series as Oshinoko. Being able to wear two masks at the same time. Being able to say one thing and do something different without compromising who you are on the inside. And that's that's what like is so hard to try and explain because if we do explain uh, anything... I see why you left that important piece of... Uh, plot detail out yeah. that yeah, I think I think I think including that in would remove that element of surprise even if that's the very basic premise exactly it's like we, we're not trying to be like lazy and say oh like y- you won't understand until you read the story no it's because if we were to say anything then there is absolutely no point in reading Oshinoko it's one of those stories where like I went in completely blind I had no like prior knowledge of what Oshinoko was about outside of the synopsis and the synopsis tells you one thing. And as you start reading it, boy, like the story just completely unfolds. And you're into this world where 
you're you're just kind of scared to keep reading. You're just kind of scared to keep trying to understand characters, understand plot points, because you realize how out of depth you are in terms of where the story is going to go. What in terms of what characters are going to do? They're going to say. They're going to become. So, uh, quick thing: you can read all of it on Manga Plus. You can also uh, get. The English release, the first volume, comes out January seventeenth of twenty twenty three. English publisher Yen Press. That's correct. And um, insert a shit ton of awards in this section. Okay, good. We 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 did it. Okay. Done this. Oh my god! Wow. Yes, we've achieved that one thing. But like, I would say, out of every single property that we mentioned in this episode, the amount of accolades and the amount of sheer like mysterious hype stems from Oshinoko, in my opinion. What do you think, Will? I mean, in terms of, like, like most wanted adaptations, like, there was a poll in Japan, and it was the fifth most requested. I think solo leveling was somewhere in the top as well. I mean, but with solo leveling, Mashal, and Kaiju number eight, it's very very clear. It's very clear. But all of a sudden, Doga Kobo, which is the animation studio behind this adaptation, is like, yo, guys, we finished My Senpai's Annoying, um, what else did we do? There was another one that they did recently too. That's Doga Kobo. Shit. Hold on a second. I remember I watched it. What was the pink haired one? The pink haired girl, the one where everybody. Oh, oh, oh Shikimori isn't yeah. just a cutie. Yes, they did do that. Yeah. And I was. Okay. That's a pretty different... bummed about that one, right? I still think the manga is fantastic, but okay. And I still think the anime adaptation is fine, but apparently a lot of people don't like it. But hey, okay. Oshinoko though. Holy shit, dude. It's I I like it. I like it a lot. And it's because it's a very complex story. It, within within the, the the panels that I've been reading, I've read up to I think either 45 or 55 chapters of it. And every arc is so starkly different from each other, but it has the same overriding dread of unveiling the dark depths of humanity like to the point where we talked about how humans can be shitty in solo leveling no humans are shittier in oshinoko like solo leveling when humans are shitty you die or you get but but it's also the result of like the very existence they have because the world of solo leveling is shit but the world of oshinoko is so fabricated by lies blasphemy and bullshit that it's not as simple as just saying you're the product of your environment. No, this one is the environment. You you create the environment, which then creates all the lies and bullshit that you have to feed to people. I do think solo leveling is very like physical trauma based, even though there are like mental traumas. But Oshinoko is just pure mental trauma through and through. In terms of just, and- there, there are monsters in Oshinoko. And- it's just that the monsters themselves lie within the humans that you see on the panels they have no superpowers they might have a lot of resources and a lot of talent in a certain area they're wonderful actors but they're just scums or savages just like the the darkest depths of human depravity then out of nowhere there are just like random banters that are kind of very light-hearted sometimes even i wouldn't say funny but humorous that'll be like oh okay that's kind of yeah, okay. <laughs> so it's not fair to compare it to like Kaguya-sama, which no. of course it's like Aka Akasaka, like you know, writers of both. Like you're going to be like, "Well, where is that charm that like Aka Akasaka had in Kaguya-sama Love is War?" It's it, it you can't compare it to. Because the 
the tone and the purpose of what Aka Akasaka is trying to say is completely different. I also think that a lot of people will look and read Oshinoko and being like, the art style is so different. And some people would say it's bad. And I'm just like, no, because it's actually not drawn by Aka Akasaka. It's only written by Aka Akasaka. And I, like I, the th- art, I think it's fine. I like the art. But what I will say, though, is their use of certain shapes is, I think, rather cool because it is both a physical manifestation of a symbolism, like a symbolic thing, and also it represents a bunch of things. I think Oshinoko to me is the one that I am most hyped about, but not because it is the one that I am the most confident about. I feel it's probably going to be the most polarizing of the four. Yes, I think Doga Kobo being very well known for very uh, vivid slice of life stuff is an interesting choice for Oshinoko. And if they were to ever dabble in something that may look harmless on the outside or in appearance, but actually is very evil internally or has tons of problems, I think Oshinoko is like the perfect fit for Dogo Kobo if they want to go in that direction, which obviously they did because they accepted the project. I mean, it plays well into like the the, the two masks analogy that a- I was saying, right? Absolutely. Like the, the, the facade of it being a slice of life is very apparent from the get go, but then the other side of it is that's the part where, like you like you said, right? It will be the most challenging for Dogokobo. And we will refrain from mentioning anything about the plot point, but I will say that the pace of it is very well executed. I never once felt... And it feels like it just... It's like the slow, steady escalation of things. Even though things start and end, it didn't feel like that at all. It just felt like... It's 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 very dialogue-heavy, for sure, for compared sure. to the other three. But, like, you don't read it and feel like this is draining. I don't know why they add so much, like, plot into this. It's needed. It's necessary, but when you read it, it's also enjoyable, too. They also add mystery and they add answers and questions almost every single chapter a hint of the supernatural as well yep and that's all we'll say about that but it's so raw for certain characters in there that you're just like this is, when, when you're reading it right like you've read about how like solo leveling people are shit but like when you're reading oshinoko do you ever at any moment feel like dude fuck people no people I- are fucking horrible Basically, when I read Oshinoko, I'm like, I'm glad I'm doing biomedical industry stuff and not acting or artsy stuff. Because, like, fuck, dude. Because their Aka Akasaka and Mendo, I guess Mengo is, like, less so because he, he uh, it, the illustrator. But the commentary on the entertainment industry, the idol industry, is unflinching. It is, like, we're going to tell it as it is. That's the vibe I get. Whether or not it's accurate. I would like to think it is, but they just like straight up hold no punches, like bars, whatever, and just gives it to you. This is how it is, and you don't have to like it, but that's literally the way the game is played. This is literally the way the industry works. Tough. Like You could say for sure that Oshinoko of the four series we talked about is clearly the most ambitious series that is not only written, but also going to be adapted. Because getting it onto the big screen and showing it to the wide masses, that one is going to be like 
make or break in terms of how many people are going to actually enjoy and take in the the, the charm and the the darkness that lies within Oshinoko. Or some people might just feel that it's a bit much and like it's not absolutely necessary that they have to go that far with their specific themes. So currently, Oshinoko has an 8.52, the manga, has an 8.52, rank 123, popularity 144. So that's already like, those numbers are fucking crazy. The members is 84,484, so just fours and eights, basically. But that, it is a mammoth in terms of the statistics, in terms of from a, a My Anime List perspective. It's only been running for two years. Yeah, and I'm so surprised at that. I thought, like, maybe it won't be that popular, but it'll be ranked really high. Because that's just what it gives me, that kind of vibe. But to have both in such a short period of time is kind of, is like Fiera and Beyond Journey's End. Like, we just keep hearing about this. Oshinoko and Fiera and Beyond's Journey's End. And we're just like, what the fuck is this? Well, Fiera's getting an adaptation as well, Exactly. Right? But it, we didn't even know about Oshinoko and what it was, except... This is something... Except, except the three words, Oshi no Ko. That was all we knew about it. But and we kept hearing yeah. it all the fucking time. Now, to actually give like our own like raw perspective on Oshi no Ko prior to it being released for like an adaptation, I, I like it. I like Oshi no Ko. However, I don't like it as much as the score shows on my anime list right now at an 8.52 i would say that is kind of it's a nine territory for us it, 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 it would very much be right i think like for me it's it's kind of saying it's an overachiever is a bit mean because I, I really genuinely do enjoy reading oshinoko i just haven't read enough or at least like from where i am right now i don't feel like it is reaching that level yet like i've said to you off air it is very much a grower not a shower in that the more you read it, the more you're like, Oh yeah, I get it. I'm really vibing with it. I'm really enjoying it, but it hasn't had that heart hitting moment for me yet. Where like, I can succinctly say, this is a banger. This is going to be like, everybody has to read this because there's no hype moments. There is no like peak, like Sakuga actiony type of thing. There is no client. There are emotional climaxes, but it wasn't like the high points are not like spikes. They're like gradual, like hills. And I am of the belief that I quite like Oshinoko. I don't believe that uh, it is reflective of the score that we just mentioned. But I do think it's a very good manga. I would say it's an 8.5. And hearing from what other people are saying, uh, it, the chances of it being a 9 is pretty high. We I just haven't seen it yet. Yeah. And I think, in my opinion... This one is definitely, this adaptation is going to be the most interesting because Doga Kobo has done good work but, and, and has not yeah. done good work. So it, it, I would say regardless of what you think about Shikimori isn't just a cutie, it does look clean, crisp, colorful, vibrant, which in many ways is exactly what Oshinoko looks like from the outside. The issue that I have with Oshinoko's adaptation is adapting the more fucked up shit. The stuff that's like literally between the lines and you can't necessarily translate that onto the screen. It's easier to infer because when you're reading it from a manga, it's easier for you to internalize that mm-hmm. kind of yeah. character conflict, but it's like with 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 visual media, specifically like like animated media, 
whatever's on the screen, whatever is portrayed, it's very much controlled by the style of the studio, by the style of the animator. And in, in no way can we add our own flavor and interpretation onto it. And that's actually a very good point because I think that similar... Wow, it's really raining outside like a fucking... It's, it's bad. It's bad. So I think Dogakobo is going to... I'm not very confident in Dogakobo and confident at the same time because... For example, Shikimori isn't just the cutie as their latest piece of work. It does look really nice, but if you look at the manga, it's actually kind of like rough around the edges in terms of deliberate art style. Oshinoko also similarly has that kind of like, it doesn't look ugly at all, and it looks like... It has a charm. It definitely has a charm to it. It is like a very unique kind of drawing style, and it looks badly drawn and very well drawn at the same time. You think so? I thought I thought it looked pretty clean all the way through. And this is my opinion again. I think the artistic choices are very deliberate. In terms of like the characters, like the character designs or just all of it. The, the just the general feel. Like there is like a scene that involves rain on a bridge, for example, that just looks kind of ugly in a way. Oof. A bit critical there. Very critical. So I think whether or not they can adapt it well relies heavily, heavily, heavily on two things in particular, in my opinion. The first thing is the voice actor. And the second thing, I guess also the third, is the storyboarder and also the director. Because if you fuck it up, then it is just going to be like the worst car crash you have ever seen in your entire life. Yeah, of the four series, Oshinoko is the most reliant on a well-delivered plot. And so the, risky. Well, and the story is there. It's just in the end, right? Like you said, if you don't pace it well, if you don't get the nuances of like the darkness of the humans that are portrayed in Oshinoko, and if you don't translate that well onto the screen, it can be fucking awful. The voice actors and actresses in a show about... is the most important one. ...is so important. Like, this is the time where... You invest in your talent. You. This is the time when you call up Kanahana on speed dials, Maya Sakamoto, Kensuda. You call up fucking everybody under the sun and being like, yo, remember that show that um, we want to make? Uh, we announced it a, a while ago. Yeah, the one that has won a lot of awards that looks kind of artsy and colorful. Y- you want in on this? They need to make tons of house calls. They need to put the money... A lot of guarantees, right? Into the talent for the voice actors and actresses. I would even say, even if the animation, which Dogokobo won't, because they're known for clean, is, is like, compromised, I think it's okay as long as the voice talent... And the story la- delivery. ...sticks the landing so much. Like, it is easily, like, the most, like, shaky of the four adaptations because it can easily fall off the rails, but... If it does really, really well, I think that of the four, Oshinoko could potentially be the one that we will never shut the fuck up about. Let me put it this way. The, the martial kaiju number eight solo leveling, to a certain point, if you throw enough money at it, it will look good. And you know we will like it. And it will be good. Like there's, there's like it's, it's as guaranteed as can be. But if you even throw infinite money at Oshinoko, even if you were to follow the chapter's Frame by frame. Even if you got the best voice actors and actresses for the specific roles. It could so fucked 
up. It's like a tightrope kind of like balance. Like, and it's so weird because we haven't really revealed. And no, you're right. It's it's just like we don't even know like how it's gonna turn out. Like we're so far away from the adaptation. But it's like it's it's based on our own past experiences of watching something and hoping for something and either like being so elated that it was fine. Like it's not even like oh wow this is amazing. It's like a breath of like oh my god yes they just about managed to succeed. And we've also been burned many times by like high promises of wonderful anime and it turns out to just fall flat and be the most mediocre thing we've ever seen. Because the only piece of official art is literally the announcement poster. And that's it. There's no trailer. There is no uh, PV known as promotional video of just static images where you can at least get a little bit of the vibe. No, no, no. You just get a straight poster and that is it. Like... It is, it is like, the most, like, under the covers, like, I don't want to reveal all my cards kind of thing. Do you know it, what it reminds the, me it's, of? It's the biggest bluff. Like, you have a you have a poker hand, a poker face the whole time, and then you either have, like, a floral flush or you just have a two pair. I feel like it reminds me potentially of how we feel about Uzumaki. God damn, no. But the, the thing is, with, like, Uzumaki, we know the pedigree that comes along with it. And with Oshinoko, the pedigree comes behind the fact that it is Akasaka, Aka, Akasaka that is behind it. And the fact that we've read enough to be like, mm, this could be, like, a banger. But Yeah, and Dolokobo is no A1. But no, Dolokobo no. is still pretty competent, I would say. I think their overall track record is solid. Is solid, for sure. But, but man. It, but there's, there's a lot of landmines along the way. Basically, if they were to stick the landing... We, we, will, we will not shut the fuck up about it. We will not only not shut the fuck up about Oshinoko, but Dolokobo would literally like upgrade a tier from a B-rank solo leveler animation studio to an A-rank solo leveling studio. Right? Wow. Nice to throw in some uh, some solo leveling in there. I think that wraps up uh, all four primers of the anime, uh, the manga series and the manga series that we want uh, to go over before they're going to be fully adapted and released in the coming year. Um, so I actually thought this yeah. was like pretty dope. I don't know like how everyone else, you listeners will receive it. We hopefully you enjoy our take. We and- also don't know what this would do, whether this would be like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just wait a year before the anime comes out. Or actually, you know, I have a phone, I have a computer. I can just pop open Mango Plus or look on Tappy Tune and just start reading some shit. Because, spoiler alert, legit, we were talking about Blue Lock at one point as a potential candidate, and we'll shut it down real fast, which, to be fair, I think was the right decision. But, yeah, we actually don't know exactly what season it will... We know the year for some most of them is 2023, but we don't know, is it in the fall? Because it, Kaiju number 8 being in the fall makes the most sense, because... A lot of heavy hitters usually are in the fall or winter. Absolutely. I mean, like we're we're in the midst of the fall season right now. And yeah, exactly. Like, if you haven't noticed, Mob Psycho three, you got fucking like Bleach, Thousand Year Blood War. Uh, you got, got Spy Family Part two. You got Two Year Eternity season Chainsaw two. Chainsaw Man. Chainsaw Man. You got Aruma Kun season three. Like these are all. Do no you s- care about Uzaki Chan? It's just fuck, dude. Okay. Yeah. It's just... So. I'm 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 excited to see how these turn out. I am the most worried about Oshinoko, but if it works, it will be the greatest thing that we've seen. I I can I can say that for 2023, even there if there's going to be a lot of bangers along the way. I am the most interested in Oshinoko. Like if these four properties were like my children, 
I would pay the most attention to Oshinoko just because Oshinoko needs it. Like Mashal will be like for me, it's like Mashal. I'm the I'll be the most entertained by. I will I will yes, say I, I will be so the most entertained well. by Mashal. I'm the most happy for Kaiju number eight because I've been waiting for an adaptation for the longest. And I'm time. most confident in solo leveling for me. I I think if A1 Picture drops the ball. Which they how can't, the which, which fuck, they can't. They how can't the that. fuck would that happen? But hey, weird sort of stuff has happened. Just like how if you think we're weird and you're weird and you can always reach us through various means. Did you know that, Will? You didn't? We have a we have a Twitter, right? No, okay, so first of all, we have our email, gapallet at gmail.com. That's G A P A L E T T E at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word. Our Twitter handle using the uh, handle at palette good, capital P and capital G, all one word. Or through our GAP Discord, uh, you can just invite us. Is, has the rain slowed? It, it's not even raining. Oh, it's not even raining. Jesus Christ. We're just like, what, what is it called? Like flash rain or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But our website is not made from flash. But or we, rain. Or rain. But we encourage you to check it out. You can visit our website at www.goodanimepalette.com. All lowercase, all one word. Music credits for this episode our intro music is Ninth Power by Henyo. Will is trying to make sure I mess up and say that we have a break music, but we don't. So suck on that. I didn't say anything. But, but our outro music is Golden Rules by Luax. You can support the music artists we feature by listening to them on Spotify, Apple Music, or other various music listening platforms. And a royalty-free music was provided by Epidemic Sound. If you're interested, you can sign up using our referral link in the show description to get 10% discount in your first 12 months and the first 30 days of your subscription for free terms and conditions apply. Will. I didn't think I'd be reading this much manga and manhwa ever. As much as I love reading manga and all that, like you, you've, you've heard from us like for the longest time that like, I haven't been reading much. I haven't even been watching much. Uh, I've been busy as heck. But I'm glad that I managed to take time out of my day to be able to enjoy Mashal, Kaiju Number no. 8, Solo Leveling, and Oshinoko. And... and- I have unfortunately, again, actually also fortunately, picked up a bunch of mangas that now I really want to keep reading. Which one do you have more in terms of your plan to watch and plan to read? What do you mean? As in, like, do you have more stuff on your plan to watch list or more stuff on your plan to read I, list? I, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no such thing as... What, what do you mean? What do you, oh. uh, on hold drop? What are we talking about? I can plan see the, watch, I can see the table hold? slowly sinking because of how heavy that mountain is for you to climb. I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so... um, <laughs> like, I, I'm excited. Like you, like you, we, we have no idea when these are going to release, but... You you guys, the listeners, for sure will hear us talk about Mashal, Kaiju Number 8, So Leveling, and Oshinoko again within the next How many months. times have we talked about Spike's family and then had the anime an- uh, announcement and then watched it and then talked about it? How many times have we done that for Blue Lock for me and Chainsaw Man for us, right? Like, some of these are no-brainers, but they're just... They're they're, they're primers. They're good stuff. They're primed and ready to we, go. We want to get you guys excited for it, right? So that is it for this episode. Will any uh, closing remark, closing thoughts? I've already closed out my thoughts. Um, so yeah, check out the the series that we discussed, and uh, maybe check back in in twelve months' time. So when, uh, you know, we we finally can go over about the actual adaptations and whether we were right or we were wrong. So you're closed, right? So yep. so you're out and not in, huh? I am not going to 
like go to in and out now because of you. Do you do you want in on that? I am okay. Fuck you. Are I'm you gonna, out? Are you in, bro? I'm gonna go enjoy some tacos. All right, sure. See you guys.